BBCC episode 76, my realization of the day. We're talking about Invasion of the Body Snatchers today, the 1978 adaptation of the classic book, not to be confused with the 1956 film or the 1993 film Body Snatchers starring Forrest Whitaker and Christine Elise, which does also exist. All the same premise, but different stories. So essentially, Body Snatchers is the uh, star is born of the horror genre. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, a podcast very high on horror movies. I am your host, Mr. Devon Taylor. Sitting across from me, I have Garrett McDowell. Happy Earth Day, Devon. Happy Earth Day indeed, I man. Know. I know. We, we we normally miss anniversaries of movies. That's mostly a fault on ourselves, but uh-huh. we have timed it perfectly because this is a very uh, uh, natural kind of floral movie that we're talking about yeah. today. It seemed to, seemed to line up perfectly. At least the day of recording. <laughs> Uh, you guys will be hearing this. <laughs> exactly. You guys will be hearing this post Earth Day, but I yeah. mean, yeah, we are we are the kings of lining shit up accidentally. Because yes, exactly. I, I even thought that whenever I was uh, looking up the release date, I was like, I wonder if we missed another anniversary with this one. But no, we are doing Earth Day, and then like as soon as it started, I go, wait a second, is this eco horror? Because I didn't know. Yeah. I, I, this was a first time watch for me, so. Well, I didn't well, know. Yeah, I, I adore this movie. Got a chance to rewatch it last night. And then, yeah, I saw it was Earth Day this morning. And I was like, oh, man, perfect. Like, because this out of all the movies that we reviewed, I think this is the most earthy. Kind, you know what I mean? Like, as, as yes. far as the ones that I've been on yes. here, it's the most kind of mother nature, you know, man versus nature kind of thing. Yeah, they yeah. Are, really, the only other one we've covered is uh, The Ruins, which we did um, nice. about a year ago. I reposted it on the Twitter page today at Bloody Blunt's Pod, if you're not following. And you uh, recorded it with somebody else. Uh. Yes. Uh, have you seen The Ruins? <laughs> I have not seen The Ruins. Oh, it's, it's another one of those one. like like early 2000s. Garrett was a, a, a you know a little whippersnapper. Went to the the video store and like saw the cover of it. That's one of those mm-hmm. like what is that? When I was you know 11 or something like it, that. It was yeah. my first time when I recorded that podcast episode, and nice. like it's so good. Nice. Like it's really it really good. Definitely check it see- out. Seep through the cracks, but uh, you can go listen to that episode. We did that episode with uh, Prince Jackson and Meg Navarro. was a super fun episode. Awesome, uh, awesome. Enjoyed that one. But speaking of guests, we do have a guest waiting for us in the wings. He is the co-host of the Disenfranchised podcast and has uh, joined me on a few episodes of uh, the Pod and the Pendulum podcast as well. Welcome to the show, Stephen Foxworthy. Woo-woo. I mean, hi guys. How's it going? Perfect. That was actually pretty good. Perfect. I don't know why I, was I didn't working on that all night. I don't know why I didn't think to do that in the intro. Should I, should I replace the should I replace the Wilm Defoe sound effect with the with the screech sound effect like for this episode? For this episode or permanently? No, ju- it would just be for this episode. Wilm Defoe has been there from the beginning. Oh man, and he's gonna stay. No, I don't know. I I thought uh, his his intro was there was was very clever and actually have a funny because I watched this movie last night. I had seen it before and I adore this movie, but had kind of a, a long day yesterday and I was uh, re-watching it and I started to doze off in the last like 
two, three minutes of this movie and was awoken to Kiefer Sutherland <laughs> just screaming. And I was like, oh, God, because it was like 1 a.m. I'm like, you know, kind of dozing off watching this movie. But yes, very excited uh, to talk about this and uh, chat with our new friend, Steven. Yeah. yeah. And, and and before we get into the we're talking the 78 version before we get into that, because uh, Steven, when I asked you what you wanted to choose, you uh, suggested either one of them. You said uh, either mm-hmm. 56 version or this one. Uh, I chose this one just because we have, um, I, I like 70s movies and mm-hmm. I like the cast a little bit better for this one. So. Yeah. Um, but how do you feel about the original? I love the original. Um, I'll, almost as much, if not a little more than this one, honestly. Interesting. Um, it's the Kevin McCarthy of it for me. Oh, like yeah. that dude does like screaming at the top of his lungs, probably better than anybody, uh, which he actually comes back to do in this movie. Yes, he does. Um, which essentially playing the exact same character, more or less, um, from where we leave him off in the original. But um, no, I, I love the original. I think it's great. Don Siegel, fantastic director. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, there's something about this one too that it's got that kind of 70s, like new Hollywood kind of grit and spunk to it. Like I absolutely love the mm-hmm. just just what this movie does and what it's saying and. Uh, I don't know. You're talking about alien movies that aren't John Carpenter's The Thing. And this one, this one kind of does a lot of the same things for me. Yeah, uh, and kind of kind of scratches that itch. So, I mean, it's it's hard to go wrong with any invasion. Of the, now, I've not seen the '93 or 2007 versions of the film, so I can't really speak to There's those. There's a 2007 but... version too. Jeez, Louise. There is that's, also that's a, the Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman one. Yes, yeah. there is also a, a SpongeBob episode that I is did like know a, about the like SpongeBob. A, yeah, it's like a parody of this, and I'm a huge SpongeBob guy, so this is like a nice merging of worlds here. I did know the SpongeBob one. I'm I'm a big SpongeBob guy too, but yeah. did not know that there's so many different uh, versions because I didn't know about the the '93 version originally, yeah. which was um, mm-hmm. directed by Abel Ferreira, who directed uh, Miss Forty Five. Yep. Very nice. So Very um, nice. another Garrett, had you seen the original version of this one? Yes, I've seen both of these movies, uh, and I watched the '74 one uh, or the 70, 78. '78. Excuse me. I watched that one first, and then went back and watched the original because I loved this one so much. But yeah, I'm right there with you, Stephen. This the both of these movies. I'm usually not like a huge remake guy, but I think both of these films are such a really well kind of boiled down version of like some of the best movies in the uh, in each respective decade and also mm. are both dealing with problems that the nation was facing at, at, a, at that decade and are, yeah, kind of this nice, like, you know, uh, if you want each of the, the horror films and kind of the taste of horror films in the 1950s and the 1970s, a lot of them are can be kind of found in this uh, and mm. what the nation was dealing with uh, at, at the time that each of these movies were made, I think, makes them both very unique. Uh, the style of which uh, is, is really unique to each of them. Yeah, not usually like a huge horror remake guy, but I love both of these movies uh, a lot. And so, yeah, when I think you had asked as well, like, yeah, do you have a preference of which one we talk about? I was like, I like the 70s one more, but I would also be totally down to talk about the original. Mm-hmm. But yeah, both of these movies are really excellent. And if you haven't um, had a chance to see either of them, you definitely should. Yeah. So I, I skipped the original version because I didn't want um, it to cloud my judgment of this one. Yeah. I just kind of want to be able to focus on this one specifically, sure. which uh, which is new for me. I'm, this is a new thing because typically I'm always like, a, oh, well, if it's a remake, I'm going to watch the original first. Yeah. And then, yeah. But I, I didn't do that with this one. Um, I'm trying to 
to let um, adaptations kind of stand on their own, mm-hmm. um, especially after recently with Nightmare Alley, a lot mm. of people were like kind of dogging that one because everybody was watching the original one like right beforehand. Gotcha. And it was like, I feel like that's not fair to the current one. And I watched the the current one first. And I loved yeah. it. And then I went back and watched the classic. Well, especially if you look at kind of the behind the scenes of this movie, they were aware and, you know, had a great appreciation for the original film. But like a lot of horror remakes, especially, um, you know, something like like a Dracula movie, it's like, oh, they're making another Dracula movie. It's like, well, it was a book beforehand and they're maybe making another adaptation of that book, less right. of remaking the original movie so they kind of wanted to take the spirit of the mm-hmm. book and kind of and, and, and apply it to more of a modern sensibilities which i think is comes through crystal clear and Absolutely. also has such a distinct style to it that is so different from the original that i think really does distinguish itself so yeah as far as like general kind of plot stuff is concerned yeah I, I i could see how that could be a little bit spoilery but i think that stylistically it really does stand on its own for sure I mean, I think that's the best way to do it when you do have a premise that is malleable like this one that you mm-hmm. can translate into different decades. Yeah. Like the best thing to do is like just tell its own story. Like as much as I like, you know, kind of beat for beat remakes sometimes, like yeah. if they do it in a different style. But like typically if you're going to remake it, I kind of want a whole different idea. Yeah. Um, Steven, I mean, you you do the disenfranchised podcast. I'm sure, you yeah. know, quite a few of the episodes you've done are, you know, remakes that were supposed to kind of restart the franchise again. So like, how are you? about just remakes in general um i it it honestly depends like my favorite horror movie of all time is a remake it's john carpenter's the thing like Mm -hmm. that's a perfect movie yeah um so i can't be like you know oh all remakes are bad but remakes i i think i think one of the things about this particular I don't want to say franchise because it's not a franchise, but this particular property is that I think it lends itself well to the fears and the paranoias of every subsequent generation, which Mm -hmm. is why every 10 to 20 years, someone ends up getting the idea, hey, we should remake Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but tweak it a little bit and make it about this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like every, and and it, it just kind of, it, 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 it serves itself well to kind of reinvent itself in that way. Yeah. And then you get certain movies that just, they're untouchable. We can't remake that. That's a modern masterpiece. We can't, you know, we're not going to touch that. Mm-hmm. But I think just because of what this movie is, what these movies are trying to say, and each one is kind of approaching this idea from a different perspective, I think it lends itself very well to that kind of remake treatment. And I mean, as you said at the top of the show, Devon, it's the A Star is Born of the horror genre. And and again, just like A Star is Born, it it's a premise that is kind of universal. It can just kind of put itself into any sort of scenario. And I think that's part of what makes it so great yeah as much as i i do love both of these movies and 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 remakes in general and and that doesn't that doesn't necessarily bother me that this story continues to be retold i if somebody wanted to say well the reason that the the story is so impactful is because it's universal and the 1950s film just is as relevant as it is today that's what makes it powerful that you don't need to update it because it's already mm-hmm. kind of evergreen i would be willing to hear that argument and i could totally understand that but like i said i think both of these films stylistically really reflect the decade that they were made in and this has this great kind of noir angle to it and and is also mm. let's not forget it's a lot scarier than the original one uh, the 
original one kind of has this fun B-movie kind of camp flavor to it while having those kind of uh, uh, cultural and social kind of uh, uh, themes running throughout it. This one takes it, I guess, a little more seriously. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would be willing to have that discussion. But for me, I think uh, it, it helps that this is just a great movie, like The Thing as well. It's like, oh, you don't need to remake The Thing. It's already perfect. But yeah, when you make a great one, like Evil Dead or something like mm-hmm. that, it's kind of hard to argue against it, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's always a it's always a case by case thing. Hard to make a generality about it. Totally. And, and let the record show The Thing was Steven's top choice. But I kind of wanted to switch it up a little bit from uh, Slither and the Blob. I felt like they were all kind of... Kind of a little uh, similar-ish, yeah. but uh, we will revisit the the thing at some point here yeah. on the pod. But now let's go ahead and get into the movie for this episode. <laughs> Invasion of the Body Snatchers released. Uh, mm. Released December 22nd, 1978. This is a Christmas movie. Merry hey, Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. I mean, red and green is all over this movie. Uh, the <laughs> the colors uh, yeah. literally is. <laughs> Directed by Philip Kaufman, who um, wouldn't really do anything else in the genre world until 2004 with the movie Twisted, starring Samuel L. Jackson. Never heard of it. I also have not. This movie was written by W.D. Richter, and again, uh, like Garrett said, this was more a another adaptation of the book, not remaking the film. Um, and the score was done by Denny Zeitland. The cinematographer was Michael Chapman, who was a frequent collaborator of Kaufman and would go on to have an Oscar nomination for Raging Bull. Mm. The box office, this made $24.9 million on a $3.5 million budget, so modest success for how small the budget. Has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes on 63 reviews and an average score of 3.9 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Um, so we've already kind of gotten into it a little bit, uh, kind of comparing the remakes. But, uh, Stephen, what is it about uh, this version that you really enjoy and want to talk about today? Um, I, you know, again, it's doing a, kind of a lot of the same similar things to to the thing. It's that kind of Cold War paranoia uh, kind of creeping in. But this one's got kind of that like ecological, like Earth Day kind of mm-hmm thing kind of creeping up around it oh we're putting so many impurities in our bodies you've got two of the main characters that operate like a mud parlor like it's it's kind of it's very much of its time and of its of its place but at the same time again there's that kind of timelessness to it like and it it's the the creature effects i also really love like Mm -hmm. when you see like the pod people starting to hatch as you see them grow that absolutely terrifying dog with a man's face like all of that is absolutely crazy and absolutely wild. And I, I love all of it. Um, but, but yeah, it kind of does resonate and it, it kind of feeds on that kind of internal paranoia that I'm sure America was feeling there in the late seventies as the cold war began to escalate. So, Mm -hmm. um, and also the whole idea that kind of we're slowly killing ourselves and slowly kind of turning ourselves over to this creeping ecological horror mm-hmm. um it's it's all kind of right here on the screen and it's 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 fascinating it's a really fun movie and mm-hmm. yeah it just it, it just works 
Yeah, and uh, Garrett, was there anything on this uh, rewatch? What were uh, your kind of general feelings? Um, I found myself just when you, you know, when you first watch something, you're kind of along for the ride a little bit. And the second time for me, generally with most movies, it's more of like stylistically appreciating stuff as well mm-hmm. as kind of picking up on some of the deeper themes or ideas here. Um, and I just was really uh drawn to the sound of this movie mm-hmm. um which mm-hmm. i have there was my fun fact i but off air i said i had a very fun fact and the fun fact that i have is the person who did the sound for this movie is none other than ben burt who star wars fans would know is the guy that literally designed the lightsaber sound ah. uh, and i'm a huge star wars fan so seeing that kind of uh, merging of worlds here is uh is, is really fun to see and he also made that fun uh noise that you <laughs> that you uh impersonated for us earlier that was his uh kind of design there and he did it by like merging seals and a bunch of other stuff and uh, pig squeals and pig squeals yes it's very horrifying and gross but yeah the sound of this movie i found really uh really interesting there's also a lot of creepy foreshadowing in this movie in regards to uh garbage trucks that's something that when you watch mm-hmm. the second time you're like oh gross you know uh-huh. um but yeah i i found myself really appreciating this film from more of a stylistic approach especially in regards to the noir sensibilities that this movie has uh just and on top of just really enjoying this ride and enjoying the performances of this movie yeah it's it's one of my favorite films from the 1970s and i'm as much as i love the original when it was decided that we were talking about this one i was like yes (laughs) see it's it's interesting i'm you're you're kind of um the opposite of me Mm -hmm. because like the first time i watch a movie is more i'm kind of you know, like you said, you're along for the ride uh, story-wise, but I'm more of along for the ride. Like, I, I let the movie kind of wash over me a little more as far yeah. as, like, the, the style and aesthetic. Yeah. Like, I, I'm more into that, and, like, unless the story, like, does really kind of grab me and then yeah. pull me in. Yeah. And then, like, for me, and then, like, the second second or third time on rewatches, that's whenever yeah. I'm more picking the story apart and, like, kind of diving in a little bit differently. Yeah, because I find myself, when I first watch a movie, it's like, okay, I want to I want to keep up and like it's mostly like plot stuff and theme stuff is like what i'm really looking for and then after that i'm, I'm kind of able to not almost kind of watch it as a silent film in a way uh and and really pay attention to like oh why did they shoot that that particular like what's the composition of this mean and where are the characters in relation to one another and i'm not listening as much to what they're saying uh but yeah uh this this film is is uh, it's funny that you look at it either way and it really holds up yeah. <laughs> on mm-hmm. both of those fronts yeah, I don't. Uh, for me, uh, this was again my first time watching. Uh, this one wasn't exactly for me. I'm oh, gonna be man. the negative Nancy of the oh, episode, boo, but this is great yes. because I got <laughs> absolutely. I, but now I got I got both of you guys to you know uh, convince me a little bit more as we kind of go along, and yeah. and it, it's more. Um, you know, like I, I'm again, like I dug kind of the style of it, like the the score of it is super interesting. Like mm-hmm. kind of, it very much sounds very cosmic and like alien like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I like the, the premise of it all, the way that the, uh, the pod people kind of take over in these kind of various stages and like, um, the way that they like kind of mimic the other people. It's very unsettling too. like this movie, like 
it's very gross yeah. uh, and like again i've said before like stuff over skin like yeah. whenever like skin looks the way it's not supposed to look and yeah. it like kind of has this filmy mm-hmm. hairy glossy look over it. it's so gross and yeah. it oh, really yeah this this, it, this probably wouldn't be one for you then it got to me like yeah. i i literally just kept going nope like yeah. multiple times throughout this we've, movie. we've had a very goopy month like we have a, a lot of the movies that we've talked about have been exceptionally goopy aliens this, this are one, goopy. <laughs> this one is very goopy as well yeah but (laughs) well i mean that tracks that's one of the most unsettling things about kind of otherworldly is they kind of there's there's a certain degree of goop which we find uncomfortable (laughs) because we are we're only goopy when we're sick and 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 we only like our goops like that that's the thing too like you're everyone's comfortable with their own spit in their own mouth their own pee if it gets on your hands like whatever but if it's someone else's (laughs) fluids or goops then it gets like extra gross so like when it comes to aliens yeah. Uh, in that way but um but i found myself i wasn't really into these characters all that much okay um and then especially like by the time we got to the third act it just kind of felt like a lot of walking around and just kind of running and kind of talking and it, it, it didn't uh keep me going throughout yeah. the movie like um because me as far as like noir movies like I'm not a big classic noir type person, mm-hmm. but if you mm-hmm. like kind of infuse it with another genre, I'm usually into it. Like more gotcha. neo-noir, uh, like Western noirs. Like when you fuse it with something else, I'm usually into it. So like horror noir, I figured would kind of work for me. But yeah. but I mean, I guess it was just, um, I felt it was a little too ambiguous, mm-hmm. um, you know, what the pod people wanted, where what everything was kind of where we were kind of leading to. Yeah. And so by the end, I kind of felt a little dissatisfied. Yeah. I would say the first go around, you're kind of wondering of like, where is this exactly going to go? But I, right. I think that's something that I really love about this is how hopeless it feels like mm-hmm. watching this. There's no, Oh, we got to go get the thing and blow up that. And that'll, you know, kind of take care of everything. True. It's just the consistently, I just look at these characters. I'm like, you guys are fucked. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? You just can't sleep ever. Like, True. sorry guys. True. Like there's that whole angle. And I love, love the foreshadowing of this movie, especially in the second go around the lead up to everything is so mm-hmm. unsettling. And there's so many characters, especially that scene uh, where they're driving early and that man like starts, uh, you know, hitting the windows mm-hmm. and that, that cold look that everybody's just looking at this dead guy on the ground. Like it leads up so well. And I, like I talked about some of the garbage trucks and everything kind of once you know why those are there, like it's, it's very unsettling and just watching the, the characters slowly start to piece things together and not really know what to do about the situation. I think it has that real sense of like hopelessness to it, which, you know, I can understand how it could be a little off putting for people. It's like, well, what's the point? But to me, it's just very dreadful, Mm -hmm. you know? No. Yeah, well, we'll get to that here in a little bit because I I do love my bleak endings. But yeah. before we get a little too deep into it, we do have to challenge Stephen to our uh, sixty second synopsis of the film. Um, of course, we always recommend that you guys watch the movies before you listen to the episode because we're gonna spoil all of it. But this is also a what? How many years? Thirty. Uh, for, 42, you're asking 40, me to do math on the show, for, which is <laughs> it's old. That's your okay. first mistake. <laughs> uh, this this movie is uh, a little bit on the older side, so we, but we are gonna spoil it. And we break Steven. out the abacus while you're doing your plot synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> you ready, Stephen? Uh, I am. You 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 tell me how much I, we do this on disenfranchised all the time too. So okay, I'm I got you on the timer right here uh, for a all minute, right. and I'll give you uh, I'll give you your 30 second warning and your um, 10 second warning. Sounds good. All right. And here we go in three, two, one, go. Uh, there, people are starting to act weird. 
Uh, first, Elizabeth noticed her husband is acting, her boyfriend is acting weird. And then the guy at the laundromat, his wife is acting weird. And everyone's like, what's going on? Uh, it's pod people. The pod people are here. And we slowly start to piece it together. Um, Donald Sutherland tells Elizabeth, hey, go talk to my buddy Leonard Nimoy. He's a psychiatrist, but don't think he's a, he's a psychiatrist, really. He's, you know, he's a good, he's a dude. And he's trying to convince everybody that everything's okay and it's all in their heads. And slowly everyone starts to seem normal, except seconds. they're not really normal. They're extra super weird and uh so we turn out it, it's pod people and so there's this small group it's and it just keeps getting smaller uh and it's down to just two people by the end it's it's donald sutherland it's it's elizabeth and they're on the run they they find out where the pod people are going to start disseminating and like seconds. putting these pods on ships and taking them all over the world so they can just take over everybody uh there's a mutant dog Four, with a human face three it's super fucking creepy two uh one uh and then he's a pod person <laughs> and then he's a pod person you know what i just realized we are also pod people i was so about to, to say we, we are the pod people uh invading your ear holes exactly hey. um yeah. yes i mean uh you got it pretty good um it, it was funny i could hear you were like kind of panicked at the beginning and then you kind of eased into it and then at the end you were like, I like okay i gotta pick it back up panic again yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah you start doing like the three two and i'm like shh because i didn't hear the 30 or the 10 so i was mm. like oh <laughs> yeah so but i mean you you basically covered it and uh, yeah. we're gonna kind of bounce around and uh, so i kind of wanted to start off with uh, some of the subgenre stuff that we have in this one um obviously this is another sci-fi alien movie um we do have more of an invasion on this one this one is another one taking place on earth mm-hmm. um and then we kind of have the paranoid thriller mystery angle of it all where it's like yeah. you know the whole movie's kind of a guessing game you don't know who is what and then on top of that you have some noir vibes yeah yeah i love something that you said mentioned it was an invasion movie i just think about a lot of the other alien movies that came around around this but also before this and it's to me, this film is just that much creepier because when you watch something like War of the Worlds or Close Encounters or something like that, you can look and be like, wow, look, the aliens, like mm-hmm. they're coming down in these giant ships, especially in something like War of the Worlds. But you watch this and it just look to your left, look to your right. Which one's the alien? I don't know. You know, that that kind of paranoia that that seeps into these character, uh, these characters, I think, is just a really interesting kind of uh, again, it is a remake. I get that. But it's kind of a different uh, expectation on what you would expect to see in a typical alien movie. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 and if you notice, like, I mean, most alien movies are very much, you know, uh, fear induced it's like always either revolving around paranoia or just like kind of general fear there's not very many um optimistic invasion movies um yeah. i mean we covered life at the beginning of the month and that's the most optimistic out of any of these sure um at the beginning at least and yeah. like i mean really the only other movie i could think of off the top of my head is like why i love arrival so much Oh yeah, like, I was about to say it's like that's a pretty optimistic. It's, it's a peace. Yeah. It's a pretty peaceful invasion, yeah. and like it, the lesson of that movie is like, oh hey, maybe we shouldn't get scared every time something foreign comes towards us. We should talk yeah. to it Learn and figure out what's going on. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like there's not too many of those. So it's like alien movies do really lend themselves where to uh well to the the paranoid angle of it all especially like this was late 70s yeah um apparently elizabeth and william are ex-hippies um but they didn't really kind (laughs) of get into that more but apparently that's supposed to be like alluded to it so it's like specifically them as characters like why they're even more paranoid than others very apparently 
Mm. I mean, that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that stands to reason. I don't, you know, it it's. Gosh, I love this movie so much. It's it's a lot of fun, you know, just to be able to, and and I don't know. We you talked a little bit about kind of the pacing of the thing earlier, and it's kind of one of those that. I feel like you just kind of need to sit with in terms of the way that it's paced and kind of very slowly, intentionally, even if you're not intending to just marching slowly, slowly toward this inevitability, which yeah. kind of adds to that very bleak, hopeless ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that final gut punch where you find out that that Donald Sutherland has been turned into a pod person yeah. is that that's what ultimately like drops the bottom out of the whole thing for you and the the slow zoom in that just keeps zooming closer and closer into his mouth is mm-hmm. so horrifying like it's so good yeah mm-hmm. the the matthews you know that reveal is is a very famous one gift mm. and memed and all that kind of stuff but one of my favorite like kind of transformations in this movie is uh, elizabeth's like her oh, face yeah. fucking caves in and she like turns it she's like pops out all naked and everything it's really it's really disturbing especially you just spent the whole movie like and you know spending mm-hmm. time with this this couple in this relationship and she's kind of the first one that discovers this as far as like in our central characters and she's gaslit by leonard nimoy who's also there uh and uh, it, uh brooke adams is also like cute as a button in this movie i mm-hmm. felt i felt terrible for her so yeah seeing her her face literally just like suck in her skin is like all curl it up and it's weird yeah it's i know his gets a lot of play but hers is equally as disturbing yeah um so let's go ahead and get into these characters here a little bit. Um, we do have Brooke Adams as our uh, lead, Elizabeth Driscoll, mm-hmm. um, and she works for Matthew, um, which is Don Sutherland's character. And, um, you know, and like you said, there, there's, a, there's a gaslighting thing in this movie. And like what I notice most, like, because I know apparently this movie is like, you know, paranoia, consumerism. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot about... Um, shitty men that love to just talk over everybody and love to never believe women and love to gaslight them yeah and like that's like like i know that the entire movie i'm like and and the and most of the people the pod people like that we see most that aren't just like pod people in the background or are the male characters yeah there's like Mm -hmm. a few female characters that do still get turned into pod people but it's mainly all men yeah and like the the like that so it's like I, I really felt for Elizabeth's character, you know, um, I'm always a sucker for that in a movie. Like yeah. fucking Rosemary's Baby kills me because that's yeah. literally oh, yeah. just like uh, just gaslighting the movie for, for two other and a half hours. Other than actual gaslight the movie. I was going to say next to Gaslight, maybe the most gaslighting movie ever. But yeah, but like so, yeah, I very much did feel for Elizabeth's character yeah. and uh, Brooke uh, very much brings this like kind of lightness to it. And then, but then you have Matthew on the other hand, yeah. who I just dislike. This guy, he sucks. I feel like he doesn't really believe her for most of the movie. I feel yeah. like it's more of his love for her and like being like, oh, okay, this is my time. Like, yeah. let me, let me put it. In. And it's like, and then finally, like, it's not until like two thirds in the movie yeah. that he's like, okay, no, there is some crazy shit going on. And it so takes like, him literally seeing his own double. Yes. Yeah. To where he's finally like, oh, this is actually happening. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Matthew's character kind of makes me laugh because he, he's got this 
cool trench coat, cool guy mustache, and he's like, you know, walks into the place like he owns the joint, and he's like a health inspector. Yeah, no. Like, mm-hmm. the, the first introduction to him is him <laughs> going to this restaurant, and you think he's like a fucking detective, and he's just like, I'm the health inspector. Oh, you got, you, you got rat poop in your food, and like, you can't be doing if that. If it's a caper, then eat it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I mean, yeah, he's like all trying to be all cool about like, dun, dun, and then like, yeah, yeah I'm gonna get you guys shut down now, and like, throws the hammer at these people. Like, I get yeah. he's doing his job, but like, from me working in the service industry i get uh yeah. you know ptsd when i see health inspectors <laughs> in, in movies i'm like ah, ah yeah. did i put the fruit in the right container <laughs> you know yeah there's but. there's a funny scene where he goes to the laundromat and there's the the shop owner who's like you're a doctor right and i'm kind of like he might as well be like his job is so like nondescript like he's just kind of good at most things in this movie <laughs> oh yeah and it's like oh well if the the city would know like we would go to the health department if there was something going on right and he's like mm, yes i guess you're right like yeah. I, I do love noir. These movie. are the protocols we would put in place in such a such an instance. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. He's kind of a fucking dweeb. Like he calls the cops and he's like, I'm just trying to be a good civil servant and report this thing. He's like, I'll give you my name if you give me yours. Like he's just kind of this fucking bozo the whole movie. Which yeah, which is a recurring theme. He literally refers to himself as a civil servant a lot. Likes to remind us of this exactly. angle. But I'm yeah. always a fan of noir movies. Like the least, like the more like dismal your job is the better like noir protagonist you are like uh in under the silver lake it's like he doesn't even have a job he's just a a, at that point you just got a noir guy with like who's a bum yeah my my favorite noir job is the uh insurance adjuster who's coming in to like check out a claim yeah, from yeah. like the killers or something <laughs> where he's just like no i'm just i'm just here to look at the insurance exactly <laughs> just like that great noir movies with the insurance adjuster as the as the lead sure. would would pineapple express count as a noir movie and you have him he uh he serves people audits as his uh thing there you go yeah it's that seems There's to be some kind noir of elements a, there yeah yeah it seems to be kind of like you've got the private dick you know maybe that's just like over time because you got like the you know maltese falcon and stuff like that and then to you know now with under the silver lake now he's just unemployed so these characters get increasingly more like yeah. they're just become more losers yes. <laughs> as, as movies go along but Exactly. And then, and then like to, to kind of counter, uh, Donald Sutherland's character who was like all about being a civil servant, giving his name, doing the right thing. Then you have Jeff Goldblum who uh, this is, I would say maybe his most unattractive role. Yeah. He just writes poetry. He's just a poet. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. (laughs) A a poet who owns a mud parlor with his wife. The the introduction to his character, like when they are trying to like explain to him and he is just like, will not shut the fuck up. I'm like, how could you be friends with this guy? Yeah. From the moment you introduce him to about five minutes later. Yeah. He does not stop talking. And I love the party scene in particular. You've got kind of like that Altman-esque kind of overlapping Uh dialogue where you've got four people over talking each other all at once it's yeah. insane yeah because you've got i remember i was watching it and matthew was on the phone and he was like trying to report what he <laughs> saw and and jack which is jeff goldblum's character's name just like would keep like kept talking and i was like how is donald sutherland keeping it together right now i would beat this man with that phone i would have like, i would have <laughs> grabbed his face and been like shut up and yeah. like and he doesn't you know he's a little younger i guess maybe jeff goldblum is one of those guys who had to kind of grow into his looks like he's yeah. just he, he doesn't exude the same you know jeffiness we we know and love now yeah. Yeah. um in, in this one it's like very much he's all like the bad parts of like his yeah. characters <laughs> 
Yeah, this is this is not Seth Brundle. This is not you know. There, uh, there's you know, inklings Malcolm. of this Seth Brundle. I'll bit. say. Yeah. I'll yeah. say. I feel like this character might have influenced Seth Brundle just a little bit. Like you know, kind of the proto Brundle in here. Yeah. The, like you know, him literally being like, "Oh my God, um, Kimner pumps out a book like this every six months, and sometimes it takes me that long to write one sentence." Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. like, bro. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> yeah, he, he just needs to marinate in the gold bloom a little bit. You know, he's still he's still a fresh. He hadn't found he baby. hadn't found his mojo quite quite yet yeah. in this one, but also it's it's the character, not not really him. One hundred percent. And then again, right. and then talk about um, you know um, uh, subversive casting. You have Leonard Nimoy as you know a, yeah. a proto villain of this movie, essentially. You know, like yeah. he's a he's a psychiatrist, like kind of with the attitude of like those self help gurus. Yeah, he's kind of like a Dr. Oz psychiatrist. Like, he's just there yes. to kind of, you know, shake hands and sell books. You know, he's not actually helping people. And he's, yeah, he's a tremendous asshole in this movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's it's Nimoy playing against type, which I always love to see when you can mm-hmm. get a guy like Nimoy and get him to play something completely different than what he's used to. Yeah. Although, once, he, once it's revealed he's a pod person, of course, all that personality kind of seeps out and you're kind of like, Mr. Spock, is that you? Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, that or he is playing exactly to type because he is, Spock is also this kind of emotionless, uh, by the book, kind of logic first Mm -hmm. kind of prick, you know? In in (laughs) fairness, he's only doing that toward the end of the movie. Like for the rest of it, he's very affable, very genial, very, hey, yo, you know, let's let's all get along here. You guys still love each other, right? Yeah, Yeah. throws Jeff Goldblum against a wall. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Actually, I'll say with Kibner, I'll say his character was the one that kind of had me guessing the longest of like when has he turned into a pod person because yeah. it is kind of hard to discern the difference of like when he is a pod person then just kind of the the clinical way he talks to people at times yeah. when he's just himself so it's like i thought that was a uh, very interesting actually i wanted to address the elephant in the room here and that is as, as a pod group right now how do we feel about mud baths because it looked very uncomfortable um, mud baths, yes, but this establishment did not seem relaxing at all. A little too dingy for my taste. A little too gross. I'm right yeah. there with you, yeah. This looks like mud from, like, the sidewalk that they just, like, put, you know, sprayed some water on. <laughs> yeah, and, like, aside and the, from but, the... It, they talk about it like they're, like, sommeliers or something. Like, oh, oh you yeah. need the, uh... Uh, I forget what they like the Ignatius whatever. I'm just like, okay, oh, yeah. calm down. Her talking on the phone, talking about like a volcanic ash bath and like that's all it. The, yeah, yeah. Like and it's like aside from the bathtubs that look nice, it's like it's like concrete floor and yeah. exposed pipes. It was like nothing seems relaxing about this. Yeah, and I, I had to love mm-hmm. like Nancy is is rubbing this guy down. Uh, who is he's a he's a larger gentleman, but she just looks like she is not interested in this massage at all. She's giving this guy the worst massage. She's just kind of like. Like touching his belly and then like smacking his feet and was like you're not relaxed this isn't gonna feel good i'm like nancy you gotta put some elbow grease into this okay mm-hmm. no reason this business is dead you're giving the worst <laughs> massage that i've ever seen <laughs> right before she gets to his feet like they cut back to her like because they're on gold bloom for a little bit they cut back to her and she is just smacking this guy's ass and i'm yeah. like does he have to pay extra for that <laughs> no that's uh that's that's, that's covering uh, that extra tip he's gonna give <laughs> yeah. yeah this movie doesn't have a happy ending and neither will he <laughs> no he oh, will there he it will. is <laughs> but but uh, shout out to Veronica Cartwright though horror yes. legend um, yeah. she had a great year she did Alien uh, released the same year and then I would go on to 
Witches of Eastwick and uh, Scary Movie 2, even yeah. uh, getting into the horror parody realm. So shout out to Veronica Cartwright. Yeah, she's got good gr- for her. She's got a great scream, uh, obviously, at the end of this mm-hmm. movie, but also oh an gosh. alien during the chestburster mm-hmm. scene. She gets like mm-hmm. the money shot scream. Yeah. So, so good for her, too. Iconic, like 70s And she was in, in the there. birds when she was and a kid. Birds. When yeah. she was a kid. Yeah, she's killing Damn. it. Yeah, it was great to see her in this. And she's like probably the most likable character. I did, I did kind of want to yell at her at the end of the movie. She's just seeing Matthew just walking along the sidewalk and she just assumes that he's i'm like come on come on girl you're smarter than which i felt for i was like because i got excited because she kind of like disappears like in the third act like doing her thing you know we kind of lose her in the shuffle and then so like when she pops out the end and she like kind of separates and she's like no i'm still i was like fuck yeah nancy and then yeah and then of course not yeah poor 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 nancy rip rip yeah yeah i think out of all of the alien movies that we've seen so far uh this month i think this is the one that i'd fare the worst in because i love a good nap (laughs) Like, I love a good nap. I would be completely fucked. They'd be like, no, you got to take speed, which they do in this movie to stay awake. And I'd be like, you know what? I'm good, actually. Let me become an alien. It's like over the counter speed or something, too. They're like, what's this? Oh, and just like, it's nothing. Oh, it's speed. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. How much does it say to take? One or two? Take five. Okay. The 70s were a different time. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was their, his uh, hippie uh, isms coming out, maybe, of just being like, yeah, take more. I, I guess I probably wouldn't do too well either because yeah. every once in a while i'll get a weed that a weed strain that like just knocks me on my ass you just be done you know and yeah. like like literally i had this stuff last week that it was like i i would take like three hits and the next thing you know i'm sleeping on the just couch for three down. hours i'm like what yeah. the hell so i guess i probably wouldn't do uh too too well in this either and yeah. and kind of getting into some of the some of the style stuff um because i really do like um the, the way you're kind of watching throughout the movie to mm-hmm. kind of be like, okay, who is transformed now? How many people are transformed? Because if you yeah. look in the background, you really see like the rate at which it progresses. And yeah. like, you know, at first you'll kind of look in the scene, you'll see maybe one or two people are acting a little funny. But then yeah. as the movie goes along, you'll see more people in the background are already like pod people. Yeah, I think the I have to applaud like we don't really get like a name of the of the, the creature. It's just kind of the pod people. We don't pod get people. Yeah, but it's very efficient. Like the blob that which we recently talked about doesn't do a great job not transforming anybody like going to take forever to invade Earth. You know, uh, life it takes like the entire movie to take out like five or six people this one knocks out san francisco in hours like i was very impressed <laughs> yeah i i was kind of thinking about that like yeah how does it stack up to uh the the previous alien invaders yeah um pretty efficient i mean i will say yes it did take calvin a while to dispatch those five people he's also in space that's true when he gets to earth he's surrounded by water and air and everything like he's gonna be able to i I still think calvin is the most yeah would decimate earth the most but i I would say the pod people second what about you steven um well i've not seen life but i i don't know like it reminded me as they were kind of as it was slowly slowly taking over san francisco Mm -hmm. i i because it's my favorite horror movie i kept thinking of the thing and wilford brimley in there doing his little calculations on how how long it would take this thing to eventually you know Mm. completely decimate the human race and i i couldn't help but think like with the efficiency with which these pod people are able to operate yeah it would probably take them about the exact same amount of time like it's not going to take them long like they take over san francisco in the matter of like two days yeah and then 
they they're getting ships and they're getting cars and trucks and they're bringing kids in on buses and like so, making them go on yeah. field trips to San Francisco. And you can hear like one of the kids at the end going, but I don't want to take a nap. I'm not tired. Yeah, and you're so like, holy unknown. shit, they're bussing yeah. kids in yeah. to like get that. them to become yeah. pod people. Like this is madness. Yeah. It's so unnerving here. Like to, at the end of the movie, cause you see them shuffling kids off of a school bus and you're just like, Oh my God. But yeah, I've got like eight uh, like plants in my bedroom alone. So I'm completely fucked. Like, and I love naps. So it's, it's done. Like, you know, uh, like I said, with world of the worlds or something like that, you can look at Calvin and be like, that's the alien. Like let's shoot it or whatever. Sure, okay, with yeah. this, it's mm. just like, who is it? Like, they you look know, just like us. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I would be completely done. So there's just no shot. <laughs> yeah. There and aren't a lot of horror movies I would fare well in. Let's be honest. I'm, <laughs> I'm a fat guy with health issues. I'm, it's it's all over for me. <laughs> Rule number 45, cardio. I think that applies <laughs> yeah. to aliens, not just zombies as exactly. well. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, and with these aliens too, the, uh, these are ones that kind of go in stages again. You know, it's like uh, yeah. Calvin and this and, um, and the blob, they're kind of just one state, and then they just kind of get bigger versus uh, here and with uh, Slither, which we covered, you know, kind of, yeah. we have uh, the different stages. And uh, again, you know, more efficient than the Slither monster as far as like the mm -hmm. stages that goes. But I don't know, also interesting because like they kind of, they got to like wait and trick the other person to fall asleep. And, like while they're falling asleep, I guess like that's when they're like kind of transferring minds like yeah. as the the pod births the thing, uh, the, the pod person, mm -hmm. which is so disgusting this yeah. movie is a uh, pg but it's one of those ones that would be pg-13 if it existed yeah um, if not r there's like yeah it's i mean it's not it's only gross. super gross oh, wait, but we have like, a titty in there we have titties say, there's like this is supposed yeah, to be rated r we have titties yeah. in this yeah but, we, yeah. Uh, but yeah like the the like what like when we actually get to because we first get the reveal of a pod person like yeah you know the the husk while it's waiting for it to take over yeah. and it's kind of like just a smooth boy yeah, yeah. It, it, which <laughs> Yeah, and the and the mystery behind it, it was like, okay, this is unnerving. But like, once we see a pod person birthed out of the pod, and it's like a full sized baby covered mm -hmm. in that shit, it is so disgusting. Yeah, I will say, like, I love the title of this as far as like a fifties B horror movie kind of angle. You know, evasion of the body snatchers with a big exclamation point. It's in that fun mm -hmm. font. But as far as like the mystery of it all, you kind of give it away. You know, you're like, oh, what's happening? You're like, that's oh, aliens. You know, like mm -hmm. it, it kind of does show its cards. Could it, could it be body snatchers? I, I just, you know, I have a hunch. I'm yeah, something a hunch like that. Or, I mean, yeah. are they technically snatching bodies? They're, I mean, I guess body replicators doesn't have the same ring to it because yeah. they're technically not snatching bodies. Just well, snatching the, looks, you know what I mean? Snatching yeah. looks. They are. <laughs> they are snatching looks, snatching wigs, yeah, exactly. uh, especially when we see Donald Sutherland's pod person with yeah. his curly hair on it. Exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a great point. Well, I wonder how wigs work in this. You know, if you've got a toupee, does your, does your you know, do, what about implants? Like well, breast implants It said that like the that. scars copy. But that's... That's but that's yeah. in the that's, body. That's so yeah, so yeah. I'd assume wigs probably not. Yeah. Like or does, prosthetic got, you, yeah. limbs probably say, not. You, if you've got a hip implant, are you like is your is your body snatcher just like, oh man, I got this one? You know, <laughs> just like just crawling <laughs> around like No, what? I don't want to go into the wheelchair wash. <laughs> Oh man, but it, it's. I mean, it's, really, it's identity theft. It's not really body snatching. True. It's identity theft. <laughs> exactly. True. True. And um, but yeah, it's it's very unsettling. And um, you know, and with some of the style stuff, uh, one thing that they did was was uh, introducing a color motif to like kind of 
uh, give you an idea of who has been potted or not. And yeah. the color green will come about. Either they will be wearing it or um, stuff in the surrounding settings is green. Yeah. Uh, anytime you see a lot of green in this movie, that means most of the people on the scene are pod people. Yeah, which is yep. something that you can really add to differentiate itself from the original because the original is a black and white film. And so right. that does obviously play into kind of the organic uh, kind of uh, sense here, which, I, again, I think is another really interesting when you look at science fiction films, a lot of them are usually very technology based. But as far as this film goes, not really like it's it's a lot, most of the sciencey stuff that we see in this is per the humans. You know, it's like mm -hmm. the, the, the equipment that we have in the real world. And I love that this takes a very natural approach, almost kind of Mother Nature angle to it. I, I really do appreciate that. And and what what's interesting about their invasion plan, and this is like part that like kind of I was fifty fifty on in mm -hmm. the movie is because like don't get me wrong I love ambiguity as much as the next person mm -hmm. and kind of formulating my own ideas, mm -hmm. but I like doing that if I have like enough clues and pieces presented to me. Yeah. So I feel like that's probably why this movie doesn't do it for me as much because I mean it really doesn't answer like any questions about. Sure. Why they're doing this, their methods, their invasion, like they kind of are just like, oh, we're, 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 I mean, there's, there's, you know, things you can read into it as far as um the, the eco angle of it all of like yeah. plants taking back the earth because yeah. humans have wrecked it and human emotion is the reason that yeah. earth is being trashed. But mm -hmm. like, it, it just feels a little too ambiguous for me, sure. but that's just me. Kipner has a line in this. We, ca we came here from a dying world. We drift through the universe from planet to planet, pushed on by the solar winds. We adapt and we survive. The function of life is survival. So these are parasites, yeah. basically. Mm -hmm. they, they, they destroyed their own world, and now they're going to destroy as many others as they possibly can mm -hmm. just in the name of their own survival. So they survive, but in order for them to survive, we and everyone else they come in contact with have to die in the process. Which was the, that and that was the same thing for the Slither monster. It, yeah. they, it literally has a line where it goes, you know, it's in our nature. Like, this is yeah. just what we do. And we saw it in, like, that little flashback. It, like, just, like, devours planets. So, yeah. I think how I choose to enjoy this is I think more on a thematic level, the plot, why these aliens are here is I, I tend to just be like, yeah, they're parasites. They're here and we're fucked, you know, just the way, same way right. that a germ doesn't have motivation. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, I think thematically uh, is, is how I really choose to enjoy this film. Not sure if you, if we want to dive into that angle of the movie yet. Uh, but yeah, this is as well as the 1950s angle, the, the, the hows and the whys is, as far as, you know, why these aliens are here and what they're taking over. I kind of like that. There's not a reason that it's just kind of it happened like why did it rain yesterday because it did you know what i mean yeah. like I, I i kind of like that it's just nature i love survival as a motivation in and of itself just because like i don't know it, it's the uh it's the starship troopers thing right yeah mm -hmm. the enemy is just fighting for their own survival that's yeah. literally the entire reason that they're doing what they're doing mm -hmm. Um, it's just that, you know, there are people that want to kind of cut that off. Yeah. Um, so I, I find survival just in and of itself, a really interesting motivation. And so mm -hmm. I'm that one line that does it for me. Like I'm perfectly content to just yeah. say, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're surviving and we're fucked. That's, that's where we are. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I totally do. Um, I totally do vibe with that. And, and I guess my thing that I'm hung up on is because then there's also like the, the scene where, 
they're talking and, you know, they're trying to reassure them that it's like, no, you know, like your memories are still intact. And like, you know, you're, you're, you are still technically living on, you're just not. And like, mm-hmm. it's going to be painless. And so they kind of, you know, are, you know, taking it from the people, but like, there's no implication of like that, you know, cause they, they're taking the people over, but it's not like they're like destroying the city or anything. Yeah. They're not like rioting, like tearing anything apart. So it's like, how exactly do they destroy the planets that they've mm-hmm. been on? I mean, I guess you, you, I, I'm answering. You said the the why doesn't matter, and and it doesn't. Um, but I don't know. I find it interesting that it's like they yeah. they don't seem to like want to take over the planet, and they don't seem to want to cause harm. Hey, I think if I'm an know. alien and I can arrive on a planet and I don't have to do any work, you know, like mm-hmm. I can just be like, you've got, I've got, you've got infrastructure, you've got school buses, like we'll just take over your stuff and just do it better. <laughs> I kind of like that as opposed to like go to a planet and terraform everything. It's like moving into a new house and they're like, all the appliances are brand new, new carpet, new hardwood floors. You're like, great. I don't have to do anything. Whereas maybe some other movies, it's more of a fixer upper, you know, yep. I would be a low energy <laughs> alien where I would just be like i'm just gonna you guys will do the work i'll just move in and and it'll be great (laughs) it's got to be a great selling point it really does (laughs) like hey have you tried earth yeah yeah yeah. are they planet flippers (laughs) that's what they're doing they're they're essentially okay we're gonna the earth is at a low cost right now because you guys are kind of fucking shit up right now so we're gonna go and take it we're gonna improve it and then we're gonna put it back on the market yeah they talk about order a lot which i think biologically is like an interesting thing you know like that Mm. as far as if you look at our own bodies, like cells and things like that, try to make things organized and each, you know, particular organ has a particular job and the other cells kind of fall in line and do their thing. I kind of like that a lot of the the creatures in this are kind of like ants in a sense, like there's not conflict between them. They're kind of just doing what their job is and they're there to facilitate and we're just kind of you know, in the way. And I, I, I love how nonchalant and yeah, they're not coming down and there's not a shot of them, you know, over the Capitol building, blowing it up or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of here to take stuff over. And it's like, get in line or that's your only choice. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, well, there's a line where there's a line where Nancy is uh, talking about the plant that was like given to her, which was a pod. Yeah. And uh, she's talking about, you know, plants having feelings too. Yeah. Like, cause she's like, I play the music for the plants. They have feelings too. Yeah. And obviously these pod people are devoid of emotions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I'm, uh, I guess my big question is like with the whole eco angle of it all, um, are they, is, is this movie, trying to say that you know that it's punishing humans or no or is this just a happenstance of the humans just happen to be on this planet that yeah these pod people are taking over it doesn't seem like there's any malicious intent whatsoever it's just we're in the way of their survival well i mean thematically like thematically is it supposed to be like humans are being like punished I I don't I don't see this as a humans are being punished kind of thing. It's almost like one of those. Uh, it, it almost feels like a cult, mm-hmm. where everyone's like, "No, but you don't understand. Like life is so much better on this side of things. Like it's painless. You don't have to worry. You still have all your memories. You're still who you are. Like it feels very much like, hey, maybe we can coexist. Except we're not really coexisting because." We're like becoming you, replicating you, and then destroying the husk of what we leave behind of mm-hmm. you. Um, and that's what the garbage trucks are for. Surprise. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like that, that kind of seems it doesn't, I don't feel like it's 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 a punishing thing. Mm-hmm. Even thematically, I think it's more of a 
like guys, we really need to be careful here because um, nature is so much bigger than us. The law of nature is so much bigger than us. And there are, there are things beyond the, the mortal ken that we cannot understand. Um, and I think that's kind of, at least from where I see it thematically, I think that's where, where this movie is kind of taking us. Yeah, I think in regards to uh, thematically what it's kind of pointing at the humans, I, I don't necessarily see it as ecological is maybe not my first thing that I go to, even though this is a very plant life kind of, you know, that is the mode of transportation that they take over the people and that they kind right. of flourish. I think in regards to the major kind of thematic points, this is saying a similar thing to the 1950s film, which is really about consumerism and individuality and how the way that we like pursue, you know, our individual selves is often through, you know, buying things and using clothing or music or, or art or the kind of car you drive or the kind of house that you have using those as a way to distinguish ourselves. Um, I think it kind of takes a similar kind of takedown to society that um, they live does, which is uh, really mm. just about our kind of need to just buy, 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 um, not the NSYNC song, uh, <laughs> buy like as in purchase. Uh, but yeah, I think the very mere fact that this came out in a time that is a post Watergate America mm -hmm. has this kind of seed of distrust that the country was feeling at that time. Uh, sure. and, and as a nation, we're very distrusting of our neighbors and okay, well, that was the, you know, one of the real first times that the nation was like, oh shit, I don't know if I trust the government, you know, and we're also like in a, a post-Vietnam War era. So I think as a nation, we were feeling a lot of distrust. Um, and uh, I think that the, the 1950s film, as well as this one, has a very capitalist consumerism kind of angle to it. So although I do feel that there is an ecological perspective to this movie, I don't see this as a, it's about climate change. Like, mm -hmm. I think that there are oh, no. elements in that. I think it's, I, I, I just think that primarily it's more about capitalism and the distrust that the, the nation was feeling at that time. Yeah. Also the 1950s film with McCarthyism and exactly. oh, you're a, yep. you're a communist and you're my neighbor, you know, that yeah. kind of the fear that the nation was feeling at that time. That's kind of where I go, but I think that there definitely is some ecological discussions to be had. I just think they're maybe not at the forefront of my mind. I mean, yeah, that makes sense because uh, like I was saying, like at the beginning, this, uh, the story, you know, feels very malleable because yeah. um, I feel like it's kind of comment. It, it says something about America in general, how like that, no matter what time period it is, mm -hmm. there's always been something that we're distrusting of, or we're yeah. always paranoid or scared of something, you know, yeah. uh, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, like you said, like, you know, what they were tackling in the fifties and the seventies, or if yeah. they were to do one now, yeah. you know, like, um, just there, we always have something to be paranoid of, which I find right. very interesting. Yeah, for sure. And that idea of also, I, I love that this movie takes place in San Francisco, which is kind of viewed as a very progressive city. They even like poke fun in this movie of like saying that if somebody you knew got transformed into a Republican, you know, like that's something that you would kind of <laughs> know that they're acting 
something different is if they were Republican, right. which I think is really interesting that even the city that's seen as very socially and politically progressive can kind of fall prey to something like this. Yeah. I mean, this is also the biggest, yeah, biggest uh, on scale invasion that we had for the month. Yeah, for sure. Um, for, um, because again, like it is definitely impressive to be able to take over uh, San Francisco. Yeah. In the time that it does. And, yeah. um, you know, and the, the movie, um, you know, it, it does it um, again. It's like the, the fear in this, it comes in, it, it like really seeps in just like very slowly. Yeah. It's like someone like kind of just like slowly cranking the gas up a little bit more. Yeah. Like, cause like yeah, absolutely. At, the, the way it goes, it like, it doesn't feel scary. Mm-hmm. Like you don't think it's going to be. Yeah. But then like once we do start seeing like some of these visuals and stuff, they are so upsetting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just like creepy and I mean that dog hybrid with the human face. Yeah. I had no idea <laughs> that this was coming. Yeah. I I was so not ready. I was I went no puh. Yeah. And it's interesting because if you're not like watching closely, you could just be like, what the fuck is that? Like you would have literally. no right. idea. But if you, when you go back and watch, you're like, oh, it's a guy and his dog and they kind of But it literally came out of nowhere. together, you know. Yeah, it's very upsetting. <laughs> yeah, you're nothing can prepare you for it. I had seen an, that picture like several times and i was like that's very disturbing i don't know what that's from i don't yeah. know if i ever want to see that movie <laughs> and then i was watching this movie last year for the first time and that dog comes walking up i'm like holy shit it's that dog yeah yeah very and i'm a i'm a big dog guy so the fact that one day if aliens could like mutate me and my uh we have a you know dog of the podcast the the fact that you and cal could become one is like a scary oh, thought god. You know? <laughs> oh god your head me on with... his little body you know oh man <laughs> mars attack I did, style <laughs> i did think about that when i I saw this i like kind of yeah. looked down at cal for a second i was like what would my face look like it terrifying that's funny yeah that's that's really the operative word there terrifying is what that would look like i'm gonna like. see that in my sleep now i'm gonna wake <laughs> up in the middle of the night and it's gonna be at cal's little body with my face on it i'm like ah. that's funny oh man yeah but uh and that and then of course like our girl elizabeth uh you know mm-hmm. has a very tragic ending yeah uh you know you think they're you know her and or, I, I will go to her, like her and matthew they do you know their best you know just running around staying alive yeah. and um uh, but like uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> but you but you can only do that for so long you know so it's like you know when they eventually do cave in and yeah. um and hers like happens very slowly and again i hate that he like before like when the mayhem like really starts going down he's just like mm-hmm. takes the time like yeah i love you like yeah. uh, and, like their whole thing i hate that really that. awkward like pseudo kiss thing that they do like mm-hmm. when they're under the desk no thank you like yeah. but like and then like so like even like him like you know they try to go really dramatic like him holding her in his arms and stuff and um yeah. didn't didn't feel for it in that aspect but i just felt bad for her in general yeah. and uh yeah like mm-hmm. that that effect like they kind of like show like just tugging at her face a little bit mm-hmm. a few times before it like caved in i was like oh yeah there's a couple of really interesting effects in this movie there's there's that which is very gross and strange but there's also one early on um that are these like little i think the term would be like flagella is like the scientific term for it but they're kind of poking through the flower and i Mm -hmm. i I have an inkling that that was done like i think that's a reverse shot because i bet they're pulling something through like a thread or something like that and it's going through but they're just reversing the shot and it's coming out regardless super cool effect but then also her face kind of caving in which is also something we saw in the blob too oh yeah just very (laughs) upsetting and it's very odd um and it's yeah it's just 
just this because we don't really see, we see like uh, Jeff Goldblum kind of like getting halfway there to where like the 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 pod creature kind of opens its eyes up, but we don't really get to see that to completion. And so to see the like what eventually becomes of you, and then she just immediately like stands up and is like, "Oh, it was painless. Like you come and join us, you know." Like yeah, very unsettling for sure. Yeah, all the effects done in camera yeah. for for this film, which yeah. um, you know, all little just little little filmmaking things. A lot yeah. of a lot of invisible fish wire in this movie, <laughs> and lots of uh, goop. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a practical effect, and this movie has some really great practical effects. Like I am yeah. on board for all the practical effects in this thing. Yeah, and it's just kind of like it, it's something that I love about a lot of movies like this, or you know, some uh, lower budget '80s movies, is it just shows a lot of creativity, uh, and mm. that it's like, well, you don't have computers, uh, and if you do, they're not they're like at NASA, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And they're like you're or something right. like uh, you know, uh, the very first Star Wars movie has a digital effect, but it's just like white dot. You know what I mean? Like, it's not really things like this. So it's a lot of, okay, well, we want to achieve this effect. How can we do that practically? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that this film uh, shows a lot of creativity in that regard. And it, I think it mostly, like, really holds up. Like, that, the whole birthing sequence alone is, like, this very animalistic. It's kind of like watching, like, a like a uh, like a calf being born or something like that it's just really it's really upsetting yeah <laughs> it's and so like sorry. the sounds that it's making yeah, the fact yeah. that it like looks vaguely human but yeah. that's only because it's in proximity to one like it's yeah. wild yeah uh it's so unsettling yeah. and it and i i even want to know how they did like the the very opening shot where they like kind of show the infection of the yeah. the the pod people into the plant yeah and like that mm-hmm. like little that little water droplet like i don't yeah. know how they did that but looks so good yeah yeah, yeah. i think that technically as far as the effects are concerned it's not as flashy as something like the thing um to where it's very at the forefront but i think it totally succeeds and in, in delivering all that and i i i think something that's also very cool about a movie like this is yeah you obviously have the the pods and and things like that but if you look at the 1950s film not a movie that's super super effects driven there's obviously some stuff um but uh, i think with a movie like this just the the a person just being a person like no effects at all it's just an actor like that is i think it could be potentially inspiring to somebody who's like watching movies like this and like i don't really have the budget and i don't have the means to make something like this it's like the main villain of this movie is just a person you know and that's yeah. that's as scary as as a monster in the thing which is this very effects driven uh uh kind of nightmare but yeah i i love how uh, creative and simple this movie is it's, it really just slowly you're right Devon just like ratchets up the tension to where it's too late it kind of reminds me of like there's that analogy of like a, a frog in the boiling water that if you just throw a frog in boiling water it hops out like but you if you put them in there and then crank up the heat like and then it's too late and they're cooked you know it's kind of that idea with this with the human race is by the time they stop gaslighting the women and they actually believe stuff it's like hey you guys are too late you're completely fucked you know right uh, you are depraved torturing the frogs like that. <laughs> I'm not like, saying me. I'm just saying a restaurant, you know, no, or something. It, yeah. And and the and the score and the sound does a lot of the work of that too. Yeah. Of you know the the score cha- uh, changes a lot, so that way like you can like kind of it helps you juggle like whenever it goes through the different subgenres. Like when it's kind of having more of a sci-fi moment, we kind of get more of those yeah. alien sounds, and then like when it's kind of getting more noiry, yeah. we get more like jazzy trumpets and stuff. Yeah. And like so it's like that kind of does it. And then like yeah. um I saw a note that they said like as the movie goes on like 
they have the score with like a little bit of industrial sounds in it. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the movie, they add more of the industrial sound that like kind of yeah. takes over the score by the end of the film, which For I sure. think is and pretty cool. It, I mean, it the, the use of the score, I think is really, really smart. My honestly, my favorite piece of the score is the fact that they don't do anything over the end credits yeah. and they just let you sit yeah. Yeah. in that final uncomfortable, horrifying moment and just like let, all of those emotions just kind of wash over you in dead silence through the yeah. entirety of the credits. That yeah. is pretty, that is a pretty baller move. The, the last act of this movie actually has like a surprising little, uh, like kind of score to it. Like it's mostly just them like in the environment and yeah. it's kind of just ambient noise, mm-hmm. which I just yeah. think as an audience member just feels really isolating. And it's also different to what you would expect. Like when you're watching a movie like this is that there's, there should be very suspenseful music going on, but it just makes it feel that much more unnerving or kind of real that there's just like there's nothing to help these these characters no music to let us know that this is a movie you're just kind mm-hmm. of watching these people like you said slowly march to their doom i i think it's it totally works as being really upsetting and i also think i'm wondering if it's at all intentional or if it's just me that you know, for the most part, the last act of this movie is kind of quieter just as, as far as like noise is concerned. Like there are a few like kind of explosions and fire here and there. But when you have that crescendo of Donald Sutherland screeching at the end, it's kind of the loudest thing that you've heard like in a while as far as the movie is concerned. And I think it makes it that much more of mm-hmm. like like kind of a shock to where it's just like, Jesus oh, yeah. Christ, you know? Well, it, and it makes sense because because uh, I did notice that it's uh, it's like very much like that very last scene where we see Donald Sutherland like yeah. at his job and everyone else's and you see that everyone else's job is all Ray pod people. Yeah. And think about it. Like when you're not, when you don't have like the emotions and everything, it's like, they're not interacting with each other. So yeah. it's like, there's no conversation. There's no background music. There's yeah. no nothing. And like they walk very efficiently and mm-hmm. like move very smoothly. So it's like, yeah, everything would be just like very yeah. much quieter, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you think about it. So it, it, it does kind of hit that way for sure. Like an ant colony or something, just like everyone does what they need to do at the time yeah. they need to do it and yeah. there's everything's kind of very regimented and the way that that whole last like that epilogue sequence or whatever is is filmed and framed you're given every indication that matthew is just kind of observing all of this like he yeah. is he's managing to like keep everything under the surface so that he can blend in and that i think is what makes that final moment even more of a gut punch is because not mm-hmm. only has he been one of our perspective characters through the entire film you get to the end and he is our he's our perspective up to this point because nancy gets introduced off screen like you hear her voice as he's walking away yeah and you're just like oh oh my gosh like and you're expecting he's going to turn around and she's going to be a pod person Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's the the subversion of that is absolutely brilliant and it is even more chilling as a result. What if uh, to add it? I mean, it's already a pretty bleak ending, but I thought of like a way to make it bleaker. Mm -hmm. What if he still wasn't a pod person? What if he was doing all the observing? And then when she comes out, he doesn't want her to blow his cover. So he fakes the screech. What if he's faking the screech for his own survival? Cause I feel like this fucker would do that. I feel like (laughs) the bleaker ending is him doing that, but still (laughs) pretending to be a health inspector. (laughs) Uh, still pretending to be a health inspector. And I also have to wonder logistically, does, is he still doing his job? Is he still going to restaurants and finding rat turds? Like, do, do the, they even care? That's do what I'm saying. Like, do the pod yeah, people yeah. make mistakes? Like, 
do, do they eat? Do they need to go to a spa to take a mud bath? So there's going to be a lot of people relieved of their jobs. They're exactly. Gonna, a lot of people are going to be furloughed. Yeah. I'm mm. just I'm just wondering the, the logistics of that, or do they still kind of go around and just do paperwork? Because honestly, that's... This the is the America thing. that, that leftists want, really, <laughs> is, is, is what it comes down to, guys. Yeah. So, uh, Stephen, do you have any final thoughts uh, before we close things out? Uh, yeah. This movie rules. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I it's headcanon for me that Kevin McCarthy is playing uh, Miles Bennell from the original film. Uh-huh. That's because I mean, his his final lines in the original cut of that movie are the only lines he says in this movie, which is they're already here. You're next. You're next. Mm-hmm. As he runs screaming down the street, which is exactly where we leave him in the 1956 mm. version of this movie. Yeah. So, I mean, it without the the epilogue that they forced um, Siegel to, to paste on the end of that film, this is essentially uh, kind of where we leave him. So I kind of, that's headcanon for me, but I mean, I don't know, man, the cast in this is absolutely wild. It's absolutely crazy. Um, the thematic elements, the act, just the movie itself. It's, it's so well done. It's such an incredible film. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, invasion of the body snatchers, it, there, there are a few as effective as this movie, I think. Yeah. So out of, out of five pods, what do you give it? Oh, it's a four potter for me. Absolutely. Four out of five pods. Okay. Pretty four solid. out of five pods for sure. Yeah. I think as far as um, a lot of people have asked me of like, uh, I want to get into like more older horror movies, but I don't want to scare them away with something from like the thirties or something like that. I think that this is a great kind of entry level horror movie because it's scary enough to kind of still be effective nowadays, but it's also got those other angles that it, the, the movies like this are what I point to when people say elevated horror. Or, oh, it means that it can be something else. I'm like, it's been doing it for 50 years, man. Like, what are you talking about? Like, horror me, at its best has always been uh, elevated. 100%. Even horror at its worst, I would argue, still is. But uh, I, I think that this movie, as well as something like Dawn of the Dead and The Stepford Wives and The Exorcist, are just like these great examples of these super effective, really stylish movies that still have something really universal to say. And I think that that's what makes movies like this so special is that you can watch it 50 years later and still still relate to certain ideas and certain themes and you know even though yeah some of its contemporaries the effects might not hold up which i think that this movie really does um i think the ideas and what's communicating in this kind of human experience uh, are again really uh, everlasting and kind of evergreen to me this is like as far as 70s horror go or like kind of would be like on my mount rushmore so to speak uh absolutely adore this movie for me i am at a four and a half out of five pods Nice. Oh man! Well, again, I'm gonna go ahead and bring it down. Uh, no, uh, this movie has things that I really dig as far as um some of the the vibe type mm-hmm. of things. Uh, you know, the sound, the yeah. sound of design, the score, um, and like you know what they do with like the colors with the red and greens mm-hmm. and um, I you know I do appreciate that and I I appreciate the the mystery vibe of it as well. Yeah. Um, but um, I don't know. It just kind of I kind of lost interest halfway through mm-hmm. and then was just kind of finishing out the ride and um again like I don't know it, as much as I like ambiguous films something about this left me just um a little 
uh, un unsatisfied. A little cold. So yeah. I'm I'm not sure what it is exactly, but I'm also not sure I'm gonna want to watch this again to figure it out. But yeah. we, we'll we'll see how I feel in a in a couple of years I, or so. I, I think the only answer is that you must be a pod person. If this movie that, that's left, it. That's if this the movie only left you that emotionless, you got to be a pod person. I've mm-hmm. been slightly getting more monotone <laughs> as the episode goes along. Where are you at? Out of pods? Did you did you did you? Put I'm out going. Uh, I'm going two and a half out of Lame. five pods. This is, since we've been uh, doling out ratings again, this is the the first time that I've given something a less than positive score. I'm Lame. sorry. Lame. It just had me too hot and cold. And then my my tiebreaker is always, do I want to watch this again? At the moment, I'm like, eh, not really. Listeners, hit us up on Twitter specifically to bully Devon. Just, yes, bo- please just bully him. <laughs> please bully me. As long as you're still giving the podcast five stars on iTunes, then yeah, go ahead and bully me all you want. Exactly. And why yeah. wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yes. No, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. See, I, yeah. I'm now looking like I want to do a full Invasion of the Body Snatchers watch through of all of the the remakes of this I film. do kind of, like, I do want to watch the other ones. I will say that. Like, I do want to kind of see how the 50 ones goes. And then I really like Abel Ferreira. So like, I want to see what the 90s one. And uh, the SpongeBob episode. I, I, and the SpongeBob I, I, I love the SpongeBob episode. <laughs> SpongeBob is always golden. Always five out of five pods on SpongeBob. Exactly. But again, please don't, please don't sleep on the Invasion, the 2007 oh, Daniel, uh, Craig Daniel Craig, and... Nicole Kidman movie. Love Nicole Kidman. Uh, yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah. Directed by uh, Oliver Hirschbeagle. Mm, bless mm. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here on the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club, we'd like to do a little game titled Movie Math. Uh, Steven, it's a pretty simple one. Uh, you just think of this movie and say to yourself, what are a couple of other movies that you could add together, multiply together, divide together, uh, all of which to uh, equal this movie? Hell, square root together uh, to equal this movie. I've been so, trying to figure that one out. I'm like, how can I get some exponents Trust me, you, you'll, get a, you'll get there eventually. <laughs> uh, but Steven, uh, what are a couple of movies that you could add together, uh, all of which to equal the movie we talked about today, Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Well, I did go addition just because math is hard and stupid and I don't like it. Thank you. Um, but uh, for me, it's um, it's this movie, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, plus, um, or I guess, does it need to equal this movie or does it It'd need be to... like a movie A plus movie B equals movie C, Invasion which would be yeah. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Okay. So body, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is the sum or the yes. difference. Correct. Yes. Okay. So in that case, I'm going to do The World's End. Okay. Mm. Minus the Terminator. Mm, interesting. We got a minus in there. There we go. Equals Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Explain. Explain. So you've got um, World's End is a movie in which it's and and owes a lot. And Edgar Wright would even tell you mm-hmm. owes a lot to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. In fact, I believe at one point the aliens actually do the invasion shriek. Uh, but they're robots. They're robot aliens. Yeah. And so you have to subtract the the robot invasion of the Terminator. Yeah, very nice. Robots that look just ah, like us. You have to yeah. subtract that element. And then you're left with invasion of the body snatchers. Very Look at that. First subtraction on the on the show. I dig it. And, and it, it totally uh, makes sense. I totally understand what you're saying. Sense. Yeah, Good pull, too, because I totally forgot about the world's end while I was figuring out movies to to do for that. Uh, I just watched that one for the first time like a few months ago. Really slept That's, on 
that's my favorite one of the of the cornetto trilogy i love the world's end yeah i love all three of those and it i think by default is my least favorite but it's still so so good like it's it's really slept the fight scenes are so fun amazing Uh, oh yeah super duper fun so yeah i dig it uh garrett where are you landing so i uh have one genre movie and one uh very much so not genre movie uh the the genre movie that i have is carnival of souls because i think that that movie also has this really kind of quiet menace to it to where you just have these slowly sauntering towards you kind of evil and this lifeless kind of fear that that movie has. And I'm uh, adding that with the Francis Ford Coppola movie, The Conversation, which is an excellent movie, which is also dealing with a lot of similar themes and ideas of distrust in the 1970s and like a post Watergate America. Uh, Obviously Coppola is, you know, famous for the Godfather and apocalypse now and stuff like that. But the conversation is amazing. Uh, It's so so good. So, so good. I watched it and I was like shocked that I haven't heard more people talk about that movie. So I think you take kind of the, the fear and paranoia and also the political commentary that the conversation has add it to this kind of quiet nightmare of the uh, carnival of souls and uh, equals invasion of the body snatchers to me okay okay i can see that Mm -hmm. interesting um i went um pretty simple on this one um one um i went with they live and i have not seen they live but i feel like i must mention it yeah, you're, yeah that's just, i feel like i must mention it yeah, that's, for this that's movie, pretty on point you know yeah. you know political also turn. you need to see they live i <laughs> do need to i do need to watch that i let live. you borrow it. i got a killer steel book for it i do need to i do Hell need yeah. to watch that i mean uh maybe after i um finish my Cronenberg catch-up, I'll switch uh, to get my Carpenter blind spots filled in. I did that recently. It is wild. Cronenberg's filmography, wild. That, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, deep in, I'm deep in Cronenberg right it, it, now. It's funny because I feel like Cronenberg, a lot of his films, you got to really put your thinking cap on and then you watch something like They Live and it's really silly and it's like very, like, it's what it is. Like, the message just like screams it at you in bright neon lights and then there's also a couple of WWE wrestlers just beating the shit out of each other for 25 Five minutes it's excellent if you, yeah if you don't get what they live is about you're it's dead like yeah inside. come on come on yeah. but yeah so so, so i'm a, so i'm gonna cheat and use that even though i haven't seen it but yes. putting they live in there and uh adding that in with annihilation um so you know mm. uh, as far as you know the the vague eco themes in there mm. and uh you know this idea of duplication and like what it yeah. you know like um you know how emotions make humans human um that kind of idea and um the way that the 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 pod people like kind of look with like that that filmy and hairiness on it yeah uh kind of looks like some of the imagery and and with the the dog on uh with the human on dog face uh you know these uh hybridization i was of about to say that fucking bear thing and st- annihilation uh, jesus I, I call it the scare bear and it's <laughs> yeah. one of the most terrifying things in horror yeah but, the the, uh, yeah. the creepiest screams have got to be the invasion of the body snatchers scream and then also whatever the sound that thing makes like oh my god <laughs> awful god awful um but yeah so that's where that's where i'm sitting with that so um you guys have some recommendations um of some other stuff if you're still in the mood after watching invasion of the body snatchers yeah and uh that will be concluding our aliens month you know this was made kind of on a whim where we were just thinking of like i don't know what like what could we do but Mm -hmm. i thought this was a lot of fun like i i loved that 
I not to pat ourselves on the back too much, uh, but I thought we had a really nice level of variety in this, like so many different tones and, and ideas. Different decades for each episode too. Different decades, which I love. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this and I'm very excited to dive on into next month's theme. I am very excited for next month's theme as well. This is my pick because May is my birthday month. Happy birthday. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to be celebrating all month. Uh, we got um, a very fun theme. Uh, we've been teasing it on multiple episodes. And I've been wanting to do this for like a long time. And we are going to be doing almost horror. Yeah. So these are going to be movies that you don't necessarily think of as horror movies. Um but I've been telling uh, the guests when they were looking for their choices, I was like, if it, as long as it doesn't say horror in the IMDb section, and it is not something that you again like explicitly think is a horror movie, but yeah. still has a lot of horror elements. So mm-hmm. we're gonna get to uh, dive into some uh, quote unquote normie movies, yeah. as I call them. Uh, I, anything not horror, I just call them normal. Movies. Yeah, and even though next month's pick is uh, uh, your you're choosing the theme, which also made me think of, I was like, what what are we doing for my birthday month? And I was like. Oh, yeah, that tracks. That tracks. (laughs) Anyway, uh, next episode, we're going to be diving on into my pick that I'm choosing for what movie I think is uh, almost horror. And we're talking about Anomalisa, the Charlie Kaufman movie. So very excited to dive on into that one. I think that'll be a nice way to kick off the month because I'm like already I'm like, I don't really know where he's going with this one. So I'm very excited to uh, get into that. We got some other fun choices coming in. And May is a five-week month, so Mm -hmm. at the end of the month, we will have a special kind of episode that I'm really excited for. Yeah. But yeah, so lots of stuff to look forward to next month. Um, But this episode was fantastic. Steven, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, What are you working on? And tell the people about uh, Disenfranchised. Yeah. Thank, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been an absolute delight. And any chance I get to talk about fun movies uh, that I am not able to talk about on my own podcast fantastic um so i am the host of the distant one of the hosts i should say of the disenfranchised podcast it's a podcast that i host with my buddy brett wright uh who is a even bigger horror nerd than i am you guys should have him on too he's he's got a lot of good stuff to say Um, but he uh he and i talk about uh movies that were our franchises of one that didn't get the sequels that they were clearly hoping for um, it is April 22nd as we record this Earth Day. So we are just finishing out our uh, All About Arnold April month. Nice. Uh, so we've talked about Red Sonia. We've talked about Last Action Hero. We've talked about True Lies. And then this week we're talking about uh, the 2017 movie um, Last Stand. No, uh, Killing Gunther is the name of the movie. I got to ask, Gunther. how does Last Action Hero hold up? Because that was a childhood favorite of mine. Haven't seen it in about 15 years. Um, it, I see, I did not see that movie as a child. I think if I had, I'd probably love it even more. It's fine for me. My co-host, it loves it. Like it's, it's probably his favorite Arnold, one of his favorite Arnold movies like that and predator, I would say are probably his favorite. That was actually my intro to Arnold Schwarzenegger was through that movie. And it was funny because I also didn't know who Sylvester Stallone was. And so like the, the Terminator kind of jokes didn't make any Mm -hmm. sense to me. And so, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was like a huge, uh, Arnold, uh, a staple for me and kind of kicked off my my love for him so i i've been re- wanting to revisit that movie for years so i'm glad it slightly holds up i guess 
have to check out that episode. Yeah, check out that episode. I mean, it's streaming on Netflix right now, so you can watch it and then check out our episode on it and let us know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. uh, And then next month, we've got some other cool stuff coming up too. So um, check us out wherever you find podcasts, Disenfranchised Podcast. We're on social media at Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. We're on all, all four of those platforms. Uh, and then you can find me if you want to see what I tweet. I'm uh, at Chewy Walrus on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as well. So, yeah, check. I could always use more followers. So, please, please follow me. <laughs> Hell yeah. We will have links to all that below. Garrett, what are you working on these days? Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter, Letterboxd, uh, YouTube, and now TikTok. I've been making hey, some. There uh, we go. I know. I've been making TikToks. I finally joined in with my fellow Gen Zers, and I've been making some, uh, some uh, short little TikToks. That's been fun. Uh, but I just posted a short kind of review reaction to uh, The Northman, which I got to see last night, uh, Robert Eggers' new movie. Uh, and I will be posting a, a YouTube review of that soon. Uh, if you want some more podcast goodness, uh, I talked a little bit about it in this episode. I finally got my Star Wars point in, uh, but I have another Star Wars podcast that I host with my buddy Noah called the Scum and Villainy Podcast, and we would love to have you over there. And if you want your ear holes further filled, then uh, you can find us on over there. <laughs> I think that I think that's been a thing for you is sneaking in Star Wars references throughout every episode. I'm gonna try my best. If it can happen, <laughs> I'm gonna. But the, the it was very applicable that was a really here, good one. It, and I yeah. was very excited to see Mr. Uh, ben Burton this but yes if i can, can if i can find star wars and an anomalisa next week i think that that's quite the achievement <laughs> yeah well you can find me on twitter and instagram at underscore daddy disco um you can find garrett and i on uh this week on the incinerator podcast right. it'll be released on uh thursday so here in a couple days and uh, we have a uh, it's a very fun game of a podcast where we um, mm-hmm. you take a list of a certain genre of movies and yes. every other movie gets destroyed of that genre. And we're going to destroy the rest of them until only one remains. Yeah. And uh, your spooky boys came with a we, we chatted vampire movies. Yeah. And it got a lot more chaotic than I thought it yeah. was going to D- be. Devon came in ready to throw some punches, and I came with like big clown shoes and like a <laughs> <laughs> and like one of those like spring loaded boxing gloves. Like I was Literally. just ready for the chaos. So <laughs> Literally. Garrett was Bugs Bunny for that entire episode. I was the, that makes you Elmer Fudd, I guess. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that so. sounds amazing. Or Daffy Duck. He could be Daffy Duck. I, I, was, Daff- I was definitely Daffy <laughs> Duck that episode, and you were totally Bugs. That is actually perfect. Excellent. Yeah, so make sure you guys check that out, but that'll go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Blade Blunt Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Make sure you find us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bloody Blunt's Pod. And until next time, guys, stay lifted.